the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't know about you, but I love looking up the etymology of names, where they come from, and what they mean. We'll do that with God next, here on Truth For Today. Join us. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tsitkanu, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. Just a few names that God uses here in the Bible. What they mean and their significance of what they mean for you and I is the subject of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hi there, and welcome to the program. Meet Your God is the title of our series. Today, we focus in on the names for God, and there are several. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard and learn a couple more, shall we? Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. God can provide whatever He demands. That is a great comfort to me. God never gives me a command, but what in the command is the power to do it. If God told me to fly, in that command would be the ability to fly. You're serving Yahweh Jireh. God will provide. Father, where is the sacrifice? I don't know, but God provided you. God is in the provision business. I think he can provide. And let it be said, in the mount of the Lord, God will provide. And of course, the greatest thing in all history is God provided a lamb in the person of his son on that mount from Mount Calvary's at Mount Moriah. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So now I'm talking about his name. What can you call your God? You can call him Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. I didn't put that in the list, but that's another name. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. I could say you're the El Shaddai. You're my nourishing, supplying, sufficient God. You're my Jehovah Jireh God. All that I need to do your will, you're willing to supply that and all. You're the almighty God. Well, uh, he goes on and he takes the name Jehovah Nissi. I love this one. I love them all. But look at this in Exodus 17. A beautiful place and incident. Israel is coming out of Egypt. They've never been warriors. They've been bricklayers, brick makers, and under taskmasters. They've never marched as an army, and they're on the way to Canaan. And on the way, the Amalekites want to eliminate them, and they attack. So Moses tells young Joshua, as it were, you get out there with a sword and take these bunch of brick makers and shepherds and fight a war. While they're doing that, I'll do something else. 
I'll go up to a mount, and I'll take Aaron and her with me, and uh, I'll do something here. 17.10 of Exodus. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Something connected with these hands. You don't learn this at West Point. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcome, overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. I, I'm kind of amused by that. Who, who did this? It's kind of this divine human cooperation. You, you fight on the field, Joshua, but your success will be determined on what happens up on the mount. You lead the troops. But there's another component in Israel's victories. It won't be the sword alone. There will have to be a divine hand behind it. Watch. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll of something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What a marvelous, marvelous picture. The banner under which we fight will be outstretched hands to a throne. And with the outstretched hands is gaining all the resources of the throne for the battle down here below. Uh, do you ever get the feeling you're too busy to pray? You'll never get too busy to lose. If you're too busy to stretch out your hand to the source of supply, you're going to experience all kinds of defeat down here in the battle. We're the busiest people in the world. Rest is not a part of the American way of life. We don't believe in siestas. We don't believe in resting. We believe in making money and working and going and driving because we can do it. And we just drop over in a dead heap and we can lose everything. And in church life, it was often the same way. It's the best we can do with our sword. It's the best <coughs> we can do. And you know what? The best we can do cannot win this battle. Somebody has got to touch the throne. Somebody's got to touch the throne. And God said one of the banner names for him is, I'm your banner. Uh, you, you operate under my standard, under my name. And Israel, when you make a banner, I don't need the star of David. This is before David. I want you to put some hands stretched out and on the earth, connecting with a throne and looking down and see how Joshua's doing. He's doing good as long as you're interceding. You know what? If we could have a prayer movement in Valley, if we could learn to pray with all that God's done, and many are, but if prayer swept through this church and people could lay hold of the throne, I want to tell you, 
You can get more help up there than you can ever get out there. The help is from on high. Call me Jehovah Nissi. Well, he goes on and talks about he's the Lord, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Sabbat. He's the God of the armies of heaven. Are you aware of the fact that the Lord Jesus heads the armies of heaven? Did you know there's armies in heaven? When Christ comes back to the earth in Revelation 19, the saints come with him in the armies of heaven. And they just mop up Armageddon, kill the, the enemy, throw Satan into the lake of fire, the Antichrist. I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus has got an army in the heavens. How many spirit beings fell with Satan? One third. So that means for every demon, there's two good angels, right? So that means just an angelic manpower mores with us than against us, right? And uh, Satan, though, intimidates us and goes on like our forces are incapable. You know, I was in Germany when they were just right after Desert Storm, and the army w- was begrudging the fact they said, if we had another desert storm, we couldn't pull it off because they reduced the army so much in Germany. And these guys had worked at the ammunition depots, and they were the suppliers of the desert storm campaign. They said, we couldn't do that now. We've got too few of us. Our army's so reduced. But here God is saying, I'm the Lord Sabbat. I'm the Lord of the armies of heaven. Elisha, send out your your servant, to check out the morning. And he steps out, and he runs back in the tent and shocks. He says, whoa, we're surrounded by the armies of the Assyrians. Sennacherib is here to destroy us. Elisha, you know prophets that know God don't get real disturbed. He just kind of goes out. Come here, son. And here, the servant had been looking right about there. And all he saw was the Assyrians. And he took the boy's head. Look up. You see all over those hills? What's that? He said, it's the armies of God. Let's go back in and take a nap. (laughs) It's like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. They're doing panic control. They're putting on the life vests. Jesus is asleep. What's your problem? We're about to drown, and you ask, what's the problem? This boat can never sink as long as I'm on board. God has got armies. Oh, saints, if we could see this room, according to Ephesians 3, angels attend church, and they look on what God's doing among us. And you look at it, Ephesians. Don't do it now. Do it later. Angels are looking down and saying, look what God's doing. God's got angels in control. I think of Hebrews 1.14. God has sent his angels as ministering spirits to those who are about to become the heirs of salvation. Did you know that spirit beings have been watching over you all your life? And especially as a child of God. There's times you should have already been killed when you weren't even saved. He said they ministered to those about to become. That means when you're unsaved, half drunk, driving like an idiot, 
It was angels that kept you alive, not you. When you took too many drugs, God was watching over you. God's got messengers out there. All that crazy stuff you did. You jumped off of this, you jumped into that, you took what you didn't know what you were taking, and you just should have died. It's Helen Baylor's story that when the drugs took place and she was beside herself and she fell on the floor and she said, all bodily fluids let go of my body and I knew I was dying. He said, all of a sudden I heard something echoing through my mind. But grandma said she'd be praying for me and God delivered her from killing herself on drugs. Angels, don't you love that little bridge scene where the children are walking across and the invisible angels are there? Watch it. You said they can't get across that bridge. That bridge used to scare the daylights out of me when I first saw it. I mean, have you ever seen it? The kids walking across a broken old wooden bridge, and be, the artist captures them. They are not smart enough to dodge everything, but there's an angel watching over them. I often think when I talk about angels, my dad did a job. He was an iron worker, worked for Biggie, crane and rigging, and he did one of these uh, uh, port jobs where the cranes that load all these uh, vessels, they had to go in there and re-cable things and work it over. So he's working probably, you know, 30 to 40 feet in the air. Uh, they've guaranteed him all the power to this uh, uh, big crane that's been cut off and everything's safe. But it just so happened that the company owner and the dock supervisor, they all wanted to watch this as he does the job. So he's walking across there. He takes a cable made of wire Steel rope, as it were. He took this cable, about, I believe it was three quarters of an inch or half an inch, heavy rope, and he takes and he throws it over this one part, and all of a sudden sparks go off. Things are going happening. The choker burns in two. Think of how much electricity power it takes to burn a wire rope in two instantly. Let's give it a half inch. Just put a half inch on something electrical. Tell me if you feel it. And so they're looking. Ah, we didn't cut off the power. And all the sparks are going. And they just stand back. Let's watch him fall. He's fried. He can't live. He just lifted his hands. All night. All day. Angels watching over me, my Lord, all night, all day. Angels watching over me. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting a lawsuit. He came down off that steel, and they said, what's going on, Mr. Hart? How do you, you feel? What, what, what did you experience? We saw it. He said, I never felt a tingle. Now, some of you, you've got a God so small, he couldn't do that. This God said, I can do it. He's a God with armies for his church. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, the church is going to be triumphant. We're going to reign someday with Christ. We're now in the exile land because our king has been rejected. Our Savior's been rejected. But there's coming a day when he's going to a lot of cities. We will reign over the nations, sitting next to the Lord of the armies of heaven. It will make Pilate and the Roman Empire look like popcorn. 
These will be the Twinkies next to the king. Are you with me? I'm talking about praising his name. If you know his name, you ought to be able to praise him. I'm out of time, so I'll just give you this. Why don't you try this sometime? Try it this week. You know why people don't pray? They don't find pleasure in prayer. They've said the same prayer for so long that even the kids go to sleep during it. It's why family devotions are so bad. Dad's prayed that prayer for 20 years. Everybody's bored with your prayer life, including you. Can you imagine? Well, I'm going to go pray. And I watch people like, well, it's me again, Lord. Uh, uh, bless, do, and my good night. Ah, you just, I'd save my voice. You might need it for something. That's not prayer. That's leftovers. That's a strain. Hi, Lord. They say I'm supposed to pray. Hi. <laughs> Praying is, first of all, worship. It's not giving him your ten most wanted list. Hey, Lord, I knew you wanted to see me. Just think if I saw you. Every time I saw you, you said, hi, Pastor. How are you? He said, here's ten things I want. Oh, I just can't wait to meet you. You think I want to, whoo, why don't you say, how are you doing? Uh, by faith, I like you. Uh, you know, uh, how's it going? You mean you want to talk to me as an individual? You don't want something? You mean you just want to be with me? Yeah, I'm desperate. <laughs> Everybody else has walked. So I'd call you. Well, good, let's talk. Now, here God is your God. You show up, hi, God. Well, what's God? See, you don't know the words. Was it, hi, Elohim? Hello, strong one. I haven't got to the New Testament that says, if you've come to someone called Jesus, you can call him Father. But we've got to get to that later. You, don't get, you need to at least know who you're calling Father. What can Father do? Well, number one, he's the strong one. He's the self-existent, always being one that you could never say he's a has-been. He's an I am. Our God is never a has-been. He's an I am. Uh, Who is he? He's Adonai. When you show up, don't do all this cheap, friendly talk. Hi, Jesus, my friend. No, 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 no. First of all, why don't you just take the place of a servant? Your servant showed up. I'm here to meet whatever needs you want me to meet. I'm not here to ask you to meet my needs. I've come here to serve you, not you serve me. I'm a servant. You're God. Some of you never got that figured out. That's why God doesn't bless you in prayer. You just want to work him. You don't want to serve him. You've got to get where you want to serve him. If you don't want to serve him, he's not going to answer your prayers. And then you go and say, Lord, I'm bored. My heart's broken. I don't know how to articulate anything, but I'm just going to pray a psalm this morning, and it says here, you'll be a shield to me. Uh, That means you can ward off the arrows. You said here that you'd be a refuge in 9-9. I need refuge, Lord. Uh, I'm here to praise you that you're a refuge. If everybody that could get to me could get to me, I'd be dead meat. But you hide your people. You're a refuge. You're a shelter. Uh, 30 verse 10 says, you're my helper. You're a rock of refuge. You're a hiding place. I'm trying to hide, Lord. The storms of life are beating me to a pulp. Could I hide in you? 
You said you'd be our guide to death, 4814. You said you'd be a shelter, a strong tower from the enemy. Uh oh, uh oh, 68.5. My daddy, I don't know where he is. I don't have a dad. I've got a male. He only knows about sex. He knows nothing about fathering a child. There's a lot of difference between having a baby, being the man that supplies semen, versus being a father. But you said right here, Lord, you be my father. I'm your child. I need a father. My dad's a drunk. My dad whips my mom and is a womanizer. I, don't, I wouldn't want anyone to know who I call the source of my existence. But I come to you, Father. Would you be a father to me? I don't have an inheritance in Israel. You've got to have a dad. And I don't have one. I don't have an inheritance until I link up with you. Now I've got heaven. You're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 7326. You keep Israel. You're shade at my right hand. You're my portion. You're my high tower. You ought to just get on your knees and say, Lord, I want to tell you what you are. I want you to know I caught up with you. I found out about you. I want to talk to you. I don't want a thing. Because everything I've got in you, if I need, don't even get to my list, I've got this. I've got a refuge. I've got a father. That's the reason why. It's the reason why the evangelical church gets an F in worship. They're asleep in the song services. They're bored with the preaching. Everything is dull but orderly. Just like a cemetery, everything's well organized. But dead. I want to tell you, once you discover who your God is, we're going to deal with what response this God wants. He's to be feared. He's to be adored. He's to be served. And if you want to get to the New Testament, we'll get to one that's called Yeshua, Christos, Theos, Kyrios. I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the bread. They came to arrest him in the garden. And when they came to get him in John 18, he walked out and they had their petition And he stepped forward and he said, I am here. And the guards fell back. What's that? He used the name of Yahweh. The I am is in this garden. You just say that to a bunch of policemen, see if they fall back. I'll tell you, when you're God, you fall back. I am. Who are you coming to arrest? If I don't restrain all that I am, you can never arrest me. No man takes my life. No man takes my life. John 10.10. I lay it down of my own will. You can't kill me if I don't want to die. Because I can call on legions of angels. I call my army in on this case. But I'm telling the troops to stay home. I'll tread the cross alone. I'm telling you, folks, this is our God. Meet your God. The reason life's problems are burying you is you've had the vision of your God buried. And there ain't anything on that TV. There's nothing in the newsstand that can get you through. And don't make a hundred counseling appointments. You first need to make an appointment with your God. And when you see this God is taking you on as his own, it'll give you hope and a future. There's resources to 
get you through. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil. And should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.